Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. Hi there. We're back with another edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hi, Fred. Good morning. Well, we're back soon, and the reason is, in San Francisco, the Waymo versus Uber trial came to an abrupt close as the week ended. There was a surprise settlement with Uber agreeing to pay $245 million to Waymo and acknowledging that it could have handled its acquisition of auto better. With Otto, Uber got its founder, former Google engineer Anthony Lewandowski. Waymo claimed as a result, thousands of files were stolen and were being used by Uber for its self-driving car project. Now, with the settlement, Waymo is reportedly getting the protections it wants of its intellectual property. Alan, uh, let's talk about the significance of this case. Well, I think it's big. It's a big significance. Uh, one, I mean, they, they had to reach a settlement. They had to stop, uh, you know, airing out all their dirty laundry and, and, you know, they had to say too much under oath. So, uh, of course they came in there. It, it was hurting both of their, their brands. And I think that, um, that the, also it may bring them together, uh, because in some sense, uh, they probably end up having to cooperate. Um, you know, I think, uh, what, what Uber realized is that, uh, they're really, uh, going to lose the race to driverless, uh, and then, um, and then they needed to, to really have a graceful way to have a role in the, in, in the in the big expansion of ride hailing uh, that that will take place uh, once uh, driverless vehicles are available, I mean the the you know the the amount of ride hailing that's going on today could very well be about as much as you can do with uh, with just human drivers. They're they're just there just aren't that many gig workers available to do that job. And so, therefore, uh, that's probably um, close to as big as it can be. But uh, right now, it represents and uh, serves uh, really less than 1% of the, uh, the trips, vehicular trips, uh, either in the United States or China or anywhere else. And so, the opportunity to grow 10x, uh, to grow by an order of magnitude, um, I don't think you can find people to, that will do that and manage them and have that be, you know, reliable enough so that instead of people using ride hailing as sort of a supplement to their mobility um, uh, needs, uh, use it as a uh, as the fundamental basis. Begin to say, uh, I'm not going to buy a car. I'm going to use this. Uh, begin to really depend on it as opposed to you know, just use it um, every once in a while. Uh, you have to get the, uh, that's going to lead to a 10x growth. And, and you really need driverless to do that. So if Uber isn't going to win the driverless race and, and Waymo is, then it's Waymo that's going to get the 10x. 
and in some sense, Uber gets um, gets relegated to uh, obscurity. Um, and so, therefore, uh, to continue to play a part, uh, I guess, you know, Uber should want to settle and, and nuzzle up to, uh, to, um, to Waymo. Even if you could get enough drivers, wouldn't the economics dictate a shift to autonomous vehicles? You know, the economics would, would dictate it, and it certainly helps, and, and that's the force, uh, so that even if you could, but, but I'm saying, uh, I don't even think that you can, so therefore it's even, it makes it even worse. You're not only, you know, the, the, the second player in terms of price, uh, you can't even put the service out there to offer it, to, to be able to, to, to give it, so therefore, um, uh, that's, that's why you really, uh, you really end up losing. And that's why driverless is so important. It's not, and these two companies are, are certainly among those leading the way. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, and so that's important. But what's interesting to me is the flip side of this thing is that, you know, why would, would the Waymo, if it's going to win, uh, need Uber? I think Waymo needs Uber, one, to get started, uh, because in the beginning, uh, they are constrained to a, uh, to a, a, a geofenced area that they can only offer the service to a very limited sized market. And if they really want to roll out and become market dominant, they have to have a, a, a wider uh, geographic portfolio offering. And so, therefore, they need to, to then have both the, the driverless uh, form of this mobility as well as the driver-enabled form of this mobility. Because if, if, uh, if I'm beginning to rely on this and I say, hey, I'm not going to buy a car, I'm just going to use ride-hailing, but the ride-hailing is only offered within a certain geofenced area simply because the driverless vehicles can't operate outside of that for good or bad reasons, then I, I, I need I need to have the, the, the driver type variety to take me to those trips in case I want to go there. So for me to, to really go to to start uh, relying on this form of mobility as opposed to just using it to, you know uh, as a whim, uh, which which is required for the market to become as big as everybody thinks it's going to be, then you need driver type uh, driver enabled versions of this as well as driverless enabled versions. And of course, if you're going to have a driver enabled versions, that means that you have to have these gig workers working for you. And and if you look at who is really good at at being able to to have the labor force uh, provide that mobility, that's Uber. <laughs> They're much better at that than, than Waymo will ever become, I suspect, and, and ever would ever want to become. So in some sense, for the ride-hailing business to become more than a niche, which it is right now, for it to grow 10x or 100x, it needs the cooperation of both the, the, the conventional um, uh, operation as well as the driverless operation. And that's why where the two of them have, have finally decided instead of fighting each other 
Uh, we really need each other uh, for to make this uh, what a, you know a miles business, as Adam Jonas calls it, and and really uh, allow it to to achieve the valuations that uh, that the investment community has been putting out there for it. So when you come down to it, you know they had to. Uh, the marriage had to, to get back together. They had to start to agree, and uh, and they did it uh, without airing a, a lot of dirty laundry. So things are good. Well, we should add a footnote before we move on here. There, there are reports that the Justice Department may have a criminal probe going on that may involve Lewandowski. So the story may not be completely over yet. We We don't know. Another big Amazon story this week emerged. The Wall Street Journal reporting that the giant retailer and owner of Whole Foods is now looking to launch a delivery service. It would include picking up uh, picking up packages from businesses and delivering them to consumers. Uh, the plan would be to undercut, I suppose, FedEx and UPS, according to the report. Alan, explain why we're talking about that move in a Smart Driving Cars podcast. Well, because it has everything to do with the logistics of, of, of goods movement. And, and in the end, uh, the bringing of the things to my house. And I think at least the, the last leg of that darn thing, uh, is, uh, is going to be done with driverless vehicles. And so, um, and, and done very well and, and very profitably for Amazon. And for them to continue to play uh, and, and deal not only with with finding uh, for having the the customer find the needle in the haystack and uh, and and acquiring it, uh, Amazon wants to be uh, uh, throughout the, the the logistics chain of that of getting that needle uh, from that haystack to my home. And in a sense, uh, since uh, they are, um, if not right now, they're going to be the big player. Uh, they want to control it. I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't know who, if anybody started writing about it yet, but, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos and out of this is becoming the the Henry Ford of, of, uh, of, of consumer um, products because, in a sense, he is looking as as Henry Ford did. Uh, he controlled basically the, the whole logistics chain, uh, from raw materials to uh, getting you a car in your in your garage even before you had a garage, uh, and and controlling that whole process. And in some sense, uh, this is what Jeff Bezos is doing in in uh, consumer products and and uh, in our very lives and. Um, and uh, he's done a pretty darn good job at it. So uh, um, UPS, uh, I know, is now uh, under uh, negotiations with their unions with respect to drivers and so on. Um, uh, there's a competitor that's sitting in the weeds. Uh, you better be careful. Right. And, and this story follows on the heels of Amazon announcing that Starting in certain cities, it's it's rolling out delivery from its Whole Foods stores within a, a two-hour window. That's for Amazon Prime members. And they can deliver even within the hour for an extra $7.99. Uh, 
the orders, of course, have to be over $35, but pretty amazing what they're When did you do. go to the grocery store and buy and, and, and put in your shopping cart anything that was under $35? I mean, you, you don't walk out of there unless it's, it's over $35. And for, and, and for $7.99 to, uh, uh, to deliver it to your home, uh, wow. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, here we go. Well, Alan, for a while now, we've been reporting on crashes involving vehicles on, on autopilot. And you've been telling us about uh, automatic emergency braking or AEB systems. The problem you point out is that it doesn't work when you need it most. Yes. I mean, you know, it's a problem with respect to uh, the sole levels business that the Society of Automotive Engineers and so on uh, has put out there and has sort of uh, basically confused everybody, suggesting that, oh, my goodness, uh, uh, of course, we want to get to driverless where it does everything and there's not even a driver. And uh, and then the, the, the building blocks way down there in level one of automated emergency braking. Uh, oh, well, we won't worry about that because that already works. It's already out there. The problem is, is that it, it, it doesn't because it's not been it's not been designed to work. It's. It, 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 it's, it's built on uh, the, the beginnings of, of this technology when, every, when it didn't really work really well. And so, therefore, the only thing that was implemented for good reason uh, was that the warning. And then on warning, then somebody said, well, geez, um, if we really think something's going to happen, maybe we should start applying the brakes automatically if, if, the, if the driver doesn't respond. Uh, but it, but uh, but the uh, applying of the brakes automatically. Um, uh, well, we were we were very shy about that because we certainly didn't want to apply the brakes um, in, in in a false alarm situation when when the brakes shouldn't be applied. So so we have to go gingerly and do that. And uh, but in that whole process uh, and the, the hype that's been put on with all the other technology, people think that my goodness, all that stuff works, and the brakes will be applied. So so therefore, uh, you know, let's move on. Let's not even worry about this this initial step. Uh, oh, that's that's easy. That's been done. Oh, my goodness, it's already there. It's not. We have to go back and take a look at that and fix it because in a sense. We have this this gray area between the warning and when the brakes are finally applied, and and they're only finally applied when when a crash is imminent, and therefore it's not there to stop crashes, and it's not there to avoid crashes, and we really can't do safe driving cars, which is allow us to take our hands off the wheel and feet off the brakes, unless. Unless we really do, if the system thinks that there's going to there's a there's, there's a stationary object ahead, and it starts applying the brakes before it hits it, and the systems just aren't there to do that. So the fault is not in the in the autopilot logic that tries to keep you in the lane and and tries to read speed limit signs and well the, all the other things that are associated with that. It doesn't even do the, the, the first thing that it needs to do, keep you, keep you from hitting something that is, that is uh, stationary uh, on, the, on your lane ahead. In some sense, 
what should be the easiest thing for it to do, which, which it, it has to do before, before it does that. And so we need to go back and look at this whole automated emergency braking uh, systems that we have, how they've been designed, the logic that, do that, that, that goes into that. Uh, at what point uh, do the brakes uh, uh, just, uh, does it give you just warning or did the brakes go on? Uh, why is there a delay? Uh, why is the driver supposedly assume that, that he or she knows what's going on um, and, and, uh, and therefore uh, not to be uh, overwritten in the brake supply? Uh, that is just, it's just not good enough today. It needs an enormous amount of effort and work and, 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 and oversight. And I guess uh, um, that's just the way I feel about it. Well, it's a, it's a little confusing, more than a little confusing, I suppose, for consumers who sit at home with the TV on and they're seeing these commercials uh, selling them cars that uh, are stopping just in the nick of time to avoid hitting uh, somebody, a, a pedestrian, I guess, typically, and uh, saving the day when the, a parent or the driver is, is distracted. So what works and what doesn't? Is that is that false well, advertising? <laughs> I don't, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate because, because it, it, it does work well with, with respect to pedestrians. It does work well with respect to something that's moving ahead of you. Why? Because if, if, if it senses something moving ahead of you, it knows that it's not an overpass. The real problem with the stationary object. Okay, the brick wall that is that somehow appears in front of you uh, because you know maybe the lane ends or something like that, or the fire truck that that's that's parked in the lane and you're following the vehicle ahead, and all of a sudden that vehicle ahead moves out of your lane, and now there's this this object, this fire truck sitting there ahead of you. I don't think it knows how to discern that from an overpass. And therefore, it doesn't want to break on an overpass. And, and therefore, it waits and it waits to make sure and it waits to make sure and it waits to make sure and you hit it. That's wrong. And what about what about another vehicle that, that might well, be moving? I think the logic and the, and the might be moving in front of you, I think they handle that well because, in fact, the vehicle is moving, and therefore, because it's moving, then they'll apply the brakes early. So, so if you look at the real, what is the autopilot, the, the intelligent cruise control, in, in some sense, that works very well. You, those systems don't go crashing in the car moving ahead of you because the car is moving. And if that car begins to stop, it knows that it's been moving and the thing that it's watching is the same thing. And therefore, it's not an overpass. Okay. And so in some sense, this is, you know, I, I don't know. I suspect it's the overpass problem. So you can imagine you're driving down I-95 and there's an overpass coming and it thinks it's now a a, a parked uh, fire truck. Oh my goodness, it's going to start applying the brakes, yet there's room for you to pass under it. I think the systems aren't smart enough to know that well enough yet. Well, if they're not, make them smart enough. Now, 
You're saying it could probably be done with the technology that we have today well, fairly quickly? It, I, I think it could be. I mean, this isn't as hard as some of the other things we're trying to do and the driverless and, and so on. If we can't do that, that Waymo cannot put a put a, a driverless vehicle out there unless it solves the emergency braking problem essentially perfectly. And I think they have. So hopefully we'll we'll see solutions coming to market soon that, that are real. Now, a recent Bloomberg report talked about the safety of autonomous vehicles that are being tested and the numbers of disengagements being reported. And in the state of California, disengagements, uh, that's where humans take the wheel. They have to be reported when autonomous vehicles are being tested. And the question now in this in this piece is how accurate the reporting is. What's well, going on? One of the very good things that, that California put in its regulations for the testing of these vehicles is that this is this engagement report be reported. That in fact uh, you have the system operating and you have the oversight of the of the the um, um, a professional driver there, and if things begin begin to go awry, and the driver feels that the that the, something bad might start happening, uh, there's an emergency uh, button that you basically or grab the wheel and you take over. That's what the disengagement of the automation automatic functions is all about. And and so you know if we're going to put these vehicles out there without anybody any driver in them. Um, they better work all the time because there's nobody there to dis, to, to, to disengage them and, and take over. And so, um, uh, uh, the disengagement reports are, are really important because they're a measure of really how good you are and you want to get to, to zero or as close to zero as you possibly can. Um, uh, and so those that, that, in some sense, the race, the driverless is all about, uh, you know, disengagements going to zero. And as we've seen, uh, with respect to, um, Uber and, and, and Waymo, you know, uh, people, there, there is a race to get the driverless and, um, and part of the, uh, uh initiative of people is to, you know, take a look at these uh, disengagement reports to see who's ahead. Uh, I guess since it's a race, we all want to know who's ahead. And of course, uh, uh, people would like to uh, think that they're ahead. Uh, now, the question is, is what are you going to do? Uh, are you just going to uh, put in their real data or are you going to try to fake it to make it look like you're ahead for who knows what reasons, I guess, um, I guess for publicity reasons or something like that. And one would hope that one would do that. One would hope that, uh, you know, there's an honor code out there that says, uh, look, uh, uh, we're going to try to tell the public, we're going to try to tell everybody exactly where we stand and that these disengagement reports are, are somewhat pristine, that they really uh, would, would reassure the public that, in fact, uh, you know, we're making progress. We're getting there and look at how well we've come in and, and so on. And, uh, and one would hope that, uh, that everybody would be, would be fair about this. And in some sense, it's, it's, it's like the, 
um, uh, the, the pollution standards. One, one would hope that one wouldn't rig uh, one's uh, tests uh, to make it seem that, hey, the, my diesel engine is really environmentally friendly, uh, therefore you should go out and buy it. Look at the data. <laughs> and then Volkswagen did what they did. Well, we can't do this in this safety business of having to do with this automation of the driving function. Everybody that's involved in this business should be out there with with pristine data and and it not be uh, uh, manipulated. And uh, this report that appeared in Bloomberg suggesting that maybe uh, somebody is starting to kind of uh, uh, fudge the data. Whoa, uh, we we cannot go there. We need a measure and that is pristine, that allows everybody to, to recognize that in fact, um, uh, we're not quite there yet or we are there yet. Uh, but we shouldn't be faking the data to make it seem that we're ahead. Yeah, and I guess the, the questions raised in the article uh, are, are involving primarily General Motors and Cruise, how accurate the data is and what needs to be reported, what doesn't need to be reported, some some gray areas. Well, to hopefully, Bernard uh, Soriano will uh, sort of take them all to task, and, uh, and California will, will say, come on, guys, uh, uh, we can't be faking this stuff. Uh, the, the public, the, and otherwise, otherwise, it's not going to make. You know, uh, it, the the regulators, the public sector will come down and say, "Look, we can't believe you. Forget about it." Important to be getting it right. And that's it for this edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Find us at smartdrivingcar.com on SoundCloud and look for my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening.